0: So we have about 30,000 Jewish followers of Jesus in this country, and we're all allowed to practice it, our faith, and we can talk about it, and we can try to persuade people, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, Yeshua is the Messiah, you should follow him, and here's why. That's legal. It's not culturally welcome by many, but it's allowed because we're a democracy.
1: What's going on in Israel? Israel's in a very serious crisis right now. One that you're not hearing about in the news, but it's so bad that the president of Israel is warning it could lead to civil war. Hi, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, executive director of the Joshua Fund. And today we're talking with Joel Rosenberg in Jerusalem to address that very real question. Joel, welcome to the podcast in the serious tone that we've started this, but uh I have to say it it contrasts a little bit with the recent podcast we just did about what you love about living in Israel. This is really a moment of crisis for Israel, is it not? So maybe help us understand what's going on right
0: here. Well, uh, certainly willing to do it i'm not sure if I'm happy to do it, but uh, look, you know just like we read in the New Testament in the Gospels that a storm can come up so suddenly on the Sea of Galilee, that even these veteran-trained, experienced sailors and fishermen get terrified that they're going to lose their lives. Like, a storm can erupt very, very quickly here in Israel. Now, for those who have been tracking with what we're talking about on all Israel news, all the reporting, this is a story that's been in process for months, uh, really since around January and late December. And we've been tracking the story as we go. On the Rosenberg report, too, you and I have not dealt with it – so far on the inside the episode podcast because it hadn't reached sort of a crisis level. And this is not a news podcast. It's not really about the TikTok of what's happening you know, in a, in a day by day thing. We're talking about major themes and major issues and, but this has become a major story and we absolutely have to deal with it. So yeah. let me try to break it down in pieces and then you can keep asking me to fill in where you think the audience needs more information. The short version is that last week, as we record this, last week, all Israel news broke a very important story, that two ultra-Orthodox members of the Knesset, our parliament here in Israel, introduced a bill to outlaw all sharing of the gospel. You couldn't even talk about the gospel. You couldn't ask somebody uh, about the gospel. You couldn't answer their questions, even if they brought it up, or you would go to prison for at least a year.
1: Crazy, yes.
0: This Yeah, this was a horrifying attack on human rights, civil rights, uh, religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience. We uh, discovered that this bill had been introduced. All Israel News reported it, and it the story went viral. It got picked up quickly uh, by many other Christian media outlets in the United States and, and elsewhere around the world. And then Israeli media began picking it up from us, and there was such a deluge of – curiosity and concern and fear that poured in to the Israeli government, particularly in the foreign ministry, that an issue that wasn't even on the radar screen of the foreign minister suddenly became a crisis. He called the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and he said, we got a crisis. And by 4.43 Wednesday afternoon, Netanyahu put out a statement saying, we will never allow a law to pass that will harm the Christian communities. So this was good. And it happened very rapidly. But it happened in the context of a larger crisis that's been building.
1: Before we get into the larger crisis, I want to ask, a, I think, uh, a couple clarifying questions on the issue of sure. the anti-evangelism perspective, you know, because we know that it's always been difficult to talk about Yeshua and the Messiah in Israel, that it's always been among the ultra-Orthodox uh, and the ultra-religious, a very uh, sensitive subject, especially when it comes to certain populations within Israel. But Israel is a nation of laws and democracy, and it, it it's had a tradition yeah. of religious freedom. I mean, Muslims practice freely in, in Israel. I mean, right. it's not yeah. a it, it shouldn't be Hindus. Anybody, atheists can live in. You could be a good Jew and be an atheist. Uh, you know, it's just one of those one of those things. What now? I mean, is this ultra orthodox party uh, that introduces these kinds of things? Are they gaining power and more influence? In Israel, is this part yeah. of you know the the problem here?
0: It, it exactly part of the problem, and and it and you're right. Uh, Israel is to be commended. We are a true Jewish state, but we're also a democracy. Meaning, you don't have to be Jewish, or you don't have to practice Judaism the way the ultra orthodox rabbis say you should. Right, and as you said, you know, I mean, we know that if you're Jewish and you're an atheist, you're sort of missing the point. <laughs> or if you're Jewish and you're a Hindu you're you're sort of missing the point of the God of Israel saying I love you and I want to do something special in you and through you but it's still not illegal to practice no faith or other faith including following Jesus so we have about 30,000 Jewish followers of Jesus in this country and we're all allowed to practice it, our faith and we can talk about it and we can try to persuade people hey Jesus is the messiah yeshua is the messiah You should follow them. And here's why. That's legal. It's not culturally welcome by many, but it's allowed because we're a democracy and we believe in the rule of law. Okay. And that Israel is a signer of, I think it was the 1949 UN Convention on Human Rights, which I'm not a big fan of the UN, but they did do something right when they got countries to sign this convention on human rights, because one of those is you can believe whatever you want, religiously. You can change your religion if you feel like you want to. That's a basic fundamental human right. Amen. And Israel's a signatory to this. So this law would have been a huge disaster. It would have sparked horror among 600 million even juggled worldwide. It would have caused many people to not want to come visit here, not want to invest here, not want to do business here. And even though we're supposed to love and support Israel unconditionally, it would have rattled many, many people going, Wait a minute. If you're going to deny the fundamental human rights, religious freedom of Israeli Christians, even if you don't or Messianic Jews, even if you don't like it, right. that's a huge problem for us. And it would have caused a, a huge disaster. Netanyahu has been the most friendly to Christians worldwide. He sees us not just as as the best friends of Israel, uh, as he says in many, many speeches and interviews, but he also sees Christians generally, even Juggles in particular, as Strategic ally of Israel, and this particular author of the bill has been introducing this bill since 1999. Okay, yeah. he's not kidding about this bill. He wants to silence followers of Jesus. Now you say, okay, so so why did you huff and puff and get all nervous about it today? What what makes this night different from all other nights since we're coming up on Passover? <laughs> so I would say this: the reason it's different is because this particular author and his colleague, the co-author, are part of a party called the United Torah Judaism Party, and they have seven seats in the current government. This current government, led by Prime Minister Netanyahu, who's very uh, pro-Christian, wonderful, not a Christian himself, doesn't believe in Jesus the way you and I do, but respects Christianity. Mm -hmm. He has 64 seats out of 120 seats in his government. So a party of seven seats is not a lot, but it does make the difference between whether Netanyahu remains prime minister or not. Yeah. So, if this party had made this an absolute de- bedrock, you know, we will not support you unless you let this bill pass. Even if mm-hmm. you don't vote for it, mm-hmm. they could have brought down the Netanyahu government, which would have many implications. We're not partisans at the Joshua Fund. We're not saying, oh, you know, we're not, we're not, we're a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. We don't say Bibi should be the, pr- the prime minister or he shouldn't be. But my point is. That's how he sees it. He see right. he saw it as a, as a threat to him. But yes, the, it's not just that party. Much of the Netanyahu government is ultra-Orthodox or a very aggressive version, form of Orthodox, nationalistic Orthodox that are pushing Bibi Netanyahu to pass much more legislation that would yeah. impose what Jews call halakhic law or halakha, which is sort of, rabbinic Jewish way of thinking and doing the world, doing life. They want to impose that on the rest of society.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't want to take this too far, but it's like the Jewish form of Sharia law in Islam, yeah. meaning most Israelis don't want to be under sure. the rabbi's thumb. Sure. They're willing to give the rabbi's freedom to, if you want to live that way, that's fine. Right. But that's not us. Most people yeah. are rejecting ultra-Orthodox Judaism. So this is a tension, and it leads to this next point, and I'll say it quickly, and then yeah. you can pull the, on the thread as you see best. Yeah. So there's a judicial reform legislative package moving through the, the parliament, the Knesset right now, that Netanyahu is supporting. He wants it to pass. We can get into the nuances, but the point is, the system here, the legal system is, is broken down, and, and most Israelis believe that their, their changes are needed because mm-hmm. the Supreme Court uh, keeps... Shooting down, striking down laws that mm-hmm. the people want. And they're like, wait a minute, there's no way to fix that. There, the prime minister doesn't get to appoint the Supreme Court justices like the president of the United States appoints them. Now they have to clear the Senate. But at least if you elect your guy, he gets to appoint people that agree with his view of the law. Right. We don't have that here. Now, the Supreme Court has been a wonderful institution in defending the rights of minorities like followers of Jesus and Arabs and Muslims and others. But this reform package is mostly agreed on except for one major provision. The key provision is that there's an override clause. What does that mean? Meaning the legislature, the parliament, if they don't like a decision by the Supreme Court or they think it's literally unfair or unjust for whatever set of reasons, they could pass the law again and override the Supreme Court with only... A, a simple majority, meaning in 120 seat Knesset, you would only need 61 seats. Now, why is that dangerous? It's very dangerous. It's yeah. very dangerous. It's yeah. the end of democracy. Why do yeah. I say that? Because if the Supreme Court can be shot down with a simple majority, then there is no Supreme Court because the government of Israel, by definition, has a majority. That's how they get yeah. to be the government. They right. have a majority. So Meaning the Supreme Court would never be a check. It would never be a balance. It would never be a break on a majority saying, this is just the way we want it. And we don't care that it tramples on your religious freedoms, human rights, whatever. Yeah. That is dangerous. Now, if you said, well, it could be a super majority of like 90 out of 120 seats, that would be 75%. You might say, well, then, then yes, if you can get 75% of the Knesset, to vote to override, then that seems fair. That's the national consensus. Or even 80 seats would be a two-thirds majority. And that's the American standard. If you want to overturn a a Supreme Court decision in America, you can do it. But you either have to change the the people who are on the court or you have to get two-thirds vote of the House and two-thirds vote of the Senate. And then Mm -hmm. I forget if it's two-thirds or three-quarters of the state's. All that to say, this is the key point. Let's say that passed. Let's say the judicial reform package in its current format really passed. And then let's say this ultra-Orthodox group uh, party was able to get the bill passed that would ban the sharing of the gospel. Now, the Supreme Court would definitely strike that down because it goes against even the Declaration of Independence of Israel, which enshrines our, our religious freedoms. Right. However, then 61 members of the Knesset – could shoot that down and override it. And that's it. I would go to prison for a year. Yeah. I don't know if I could do my podcast with you, you know, <laughs> from prison. <laughs> but I, I laugh everybody I know yeah. in the believing community would be in prison sure. and we would have no recourse. Okay? Sure. Now that's just how it affects us as believers. Now take that and extrapolate that across the entire country. And people, even who those who agree with Bibi Netanyahu and his team, We definitely need changes. They're scared of that provision because they realize that could happen to any of us, anything that we believe in or care for. If the majority, especially the ultra-Orthodox majority, decides, no, we're going to impose our view on you, that's it. And so people Mm -hmm. have turned out, literally this weekend, Carl, 600,000 Israelis turned out to protest. And that's been building over three months. That's 6.5% of our entire population. Wow. Let me stop there because over the weekend, a series of other things happened, but that at least frames the puzzle of what in the world is going on and why are people scared that democracy and their freedoms are about to be washed out to sea?
1: Yeah, we're going to take a break right here, but uh, we want to come back because this whole concept of leveraged power in this judicial reform conversation, it, it, it's deeply troubling to those of us who, who love and care for Israel. And and the way it's almost, uh, it feels like, Some of the leadership of Israel is being almost blackmailed into steps that are uh, dangerous and causing such strife. But we're going to talk about that when we get back. So uh, stay tuned. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
0: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks.
1: Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410.
0: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Our verse for the day today is found in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32. And from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Our prayer requests today are, are number one, to pray that Israel would be led by men and women who understand the times that they're in and would do what God would have them do. And second, to pray that those that work on behalf of the good news of Jesus Christ in Israel would not be threatened with laws passed against the gospel. Well, Joel, we're back. And uh, I know that it's it's confusing sometimes for those of us in North America to look at the politics of Israel on almost any subject and, and wonder what's really going on there. I think uh, one of our mutual friends, Kalev Myers, said it best when, when he said, you know, we're Israelis. Uh, we have to disagree about something. But uh, this is deeper than just sort of the run of the mill political arguing you know people have always said if you if you put five Israelis in a room, you get seven opinions. but I would love to have you just talk about what this judicial reform effort has led to and and really what it is exposing about the current state of democracy in in israel
0: yeah it 's a great point, so now that our listeners and viewers have have got some context of why the believing community here, the followers of Jesus are on high alert that this judicial reform plan has very dangerous implications for us personally, and that others are seeing it from their own angle, whatever angle that is. They're like, what's happening to them could happen to us. And okay, so what's happening? So a viewer or listener might say, well, Joel, you just said that Netanyahu stepped in and said, no, I'm not going to let these people from crazy situation where we're going to declare war on Christians. And imagine think about that, Carl, how almost miraculous it is for a Jewish prime minister of the state of Israel to side with the believers that yes, you're allowed to talk about the gospel and try to even persuade people to follow. And he did so against the ultra Orthodox Jewish members of his own government. Like that is a big deal. <laughs> and uh, in all Israel news, we've, played a a small but I think important role in helping alert people and and Netanyahu did the right thing and we praised him and I sent a personal note through one of his advisors uh, thanking him so you might be thinking well okay so he'll he'll do the right thing that's what we are praying for with judicial reform but but here's where we are so it used to be thousands of people on the street protesting three months ago now it's 600,000 okay Now, it's getting so bad that members of elite combat units in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, are saying, we're not going to go fight for a country that isn't a democracy. If you guys pass this, I'm not showing up to serve in my combat unit. This is insane. Fighter pilots in our most elite fighter pilot squadrons are saying, I'm not going to fly. I'm not going to defend a country that isn't a democracy. No, I won't do it. This has gotten so bad. Now, normally, politics should stay out of the army, right? You don't want a politicized military. But people are so scared that even the best and the brightest in Israel, the people that are on our front lines are like, this is insane. You can't I, – I, I even if I support judicial reform, not with that, where where all our rights could be taken away in an instant. So the defense minister was getting so worried about this that he privately, for several weeks, he's been saying to Netanyahu – we've got a problem. Like you've got to dial down the temperature on this thing because the streets are full. Our combat units are starting to disintegrate. As we go into the Passover break where, where the Knesset, the parliament goes out of session for about three weeks. We're about a week away. Uh, Prime minister, could you just say we're going to halt the movement of the legislation for this week? And then that'll turn into a month just to dial down the temperature and Why don't you go and talk to the opposition leaders and just try to see if you can come to a compromise that everybody or most people can agree on, so that this could pass, but not with setting the the country into uh, grave danger, including the possibility of civil war, where you would have people turning against, like, like you'd have a situation where if the Knesset passes this law and the supreme court strikes it down as illegal and then the government passes a, a law saying we don't care who's the army supposed to follow you, that's a constitutional crisis and we don't even have a constitution but that's a separate issue like do you follow netanyahu or do you follow the head of the supreme court this is a major problem so so our defense minister yoav galant was saying for weeks privately mr prime minister please you have to dial this thing down develop a compromise because it's now affecting our combat readiness. And we might have to go to war with Iran, right? So what did Netanyahu do? He didn't listen to Gallant. He rejected that advice. And so on Saturday night, Gallant went on television and said, I am publicly calling on the prime minister to make these series of moves. Hmm. Um, He didn't say he opposed the legislation. He said, I'm asking the prime minister to to hit the pause button effectively so that we, for all the reasons that you know I just explained what did Netanyahu do mm-hmm. he fired him Netanyahu fired his own defense minister who
1: wow. was getting ready
0: for war with Iran
1: it's kind of reminiscent of, of the Nixon thing yeah
0: well I, I wouldn't say Nixon because Netanyahu's point I mean he didn't say this publicly but his advisors are saying you know in leaks to the press a defense minister can't go on television when the prime Minister's meeting with the British Prime Minister in London and go make a policy announcement, yeah. that's not the job of a defense minister. So Netanyahu saw it as insubordination. But Gallant, who is a lifetime you know military expert, he, he's a he's a close ally of Netanyahu. He's not an enemy, he's an ally. <laughs> Just to reference my book. So Gallant thought, no, for the national interest, I have to say this to precipitate a decision because I'm worried, it's not just I'm not taking a political or a policy position. I'm saying the security of the country is in grave danger. Okay, so so Saturday night, uh, Gallant gives the speech. Sunday, Bibi returns from London and fires Gallant. Monday, the country goes crazy. Okay, what happens? All the schools close. They go on strike. No kids are in school. The universities shut down. The teachers go on strike. The people that work at Ben Gurion International Airport say we're not coming to work, meaning no flights out, no flights in. The whole air traffic control system shuts down. The ports here, the commercial ports where we're an export country, right? So we we ship goods out. We ship them in. They completely shut down. The bank shut down. The national parks shut down. McDonald's tweets out. We're not opening our store now. Things got really serious when, you know, when you, if wow. you can't buy a Big Mac, like now, you know, wow. But what I'm saying is this became huge. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people turned into the streets. They blocked mm. off major highways. You couldn't drive anywhere. The fires of this political and social divide were becoming so intense And every leader of the opposition, of course, was saying, just pause this thing and let's have a conversation or this fire is going to go out of control. The president of Israel, Isaac Herzog, warned of a civil war and even five members of Netanyahu's own Likud party, right? Allies of his, but not Galant because he was already gone. Five members of the party indicated to the press, we're not going to vote for this thing. So. Netanyahu met with his government and said uh, – now we, we now know, guys, I know we want to get this thing passed, but we've got to stop. And what happened? The ultra-Orthodox and highly uh, aggressive Orthodox uh, party called the Religious Zionism Party led by two people that I consider very dangerous. dangerous. I'll just say it.
1: Yeah.
0: Itzamar Ben-Gavir and Bezalel Smotrich, which we've written about on all Israel news. And I don't say this lightly. I mean they've been – democratically elected, so they have every right to do whatever they say and, 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 and push for their... They said, Bibi Netanyahu, if you stop this legislation, we're leaving. We're going to leave your government. Your government's going to collapse. And then what will you do about Iran and the economy and making peace with the Saudis? This was all yesterday. This was, as you and I record, this is all Monday, okay? Now, mm-hmm. there's a leak to the media saying Netanyahu's going to make a public statement at 10.30 in the morning. 10.30 comes, 10.30 goes, no statement, no Netanyahu. Hours after hour after hour goes by, and the pressure is building, and more and more things are getting shut down. And, like, we're like, what is happening? And all Israel news, we're covering it literally minute by minute, hour by hour. So, what happened? Netanyahu finally came out onto television and said, I'm pausing the legislation. I call on my other, you know, all the opposition leaders. We're going to gather together under the auspices of Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, who for weeks had been saying, guys, come together. I'm willing to host you and I will, you know. And so Netanyahu said yes. So we immediately commended the prime minister at All Israel News because we'd been explaining why this is so dangerous. And we supported the idea of a pause. Now, again, we're not a partisan organization, but just for the sake of the economy and the society and and knowing that if this train gets out of the station, it could have very severe implications for all Israelis, including for followers of Jesus. So that brings you up to speed, at least at the moment. I'm, I'm going to check the headlines <laughs> while you ask me a question just to see. It's moving what literally else is happening. that fast. So, oh That's- my God. Like, this is, un- this is literally the most serious yeah. domestic crisis yeah. that Israel has ever had. In the 75 years since the modern Jewish state was founded. Carl, I'm telling you, we've always worried about threats from the outside. Now we are very worried about the battle within and the possibility of a civil war. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I know that uh, one thing that you're really well known for is is really – uh, reading the tea leaves, you know, I wouldn't say that in a, in a spiritual sense, you know, you're, you're, you're just looking at things that are happening and you're making clear assessments of those things. So I think it's absolutely important for people to understand, you don't, you don't run around saying the sky is falling all day long. Like, a number of Israel watchers do, you know, that there's always something that this is the, this is the, you know, you're not that way. And, and for you to, to say that this is is exactly the end is near, this is really important. And I think, you know, while we enjoy uh, so many freedoms, both in the United States and in Israel, you know, the freedoms uh, that we have come at a, a significant price for social and and political responsibility to take seriously what what's at stake here. And I think it's fundamental to North Americans understanding Israel that when you say this is a potential crisis on the on the level of a brewing uh, civil war, we're not just, you know, running around with a placard saying the end is near. This is something for people to even as they hear this podcast right now to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, of all Israel, of of all uh, what we hold dear in both spiritual terms and democratic terms in this country.
0: Right. And, and let me add, uh, Carl, I would never I can't even imagine a scenario in which I would say out of my own analytical perspective that yeah. we're on the verge of a civil war. What caught my attention was when the Israeli president Isaac Herzog said it. Now, yeah, now the exactly. president in Israel is a nonpartisan position. I'm going to use an analogy. He's like he's supposed to be like the grandfather of the country. He has very limited powers. There are some some specific powers, but he he represents the state, not the government. Meaning, there are interests that are broader than a specific government, and part of that is to bring sides together and sort of try to you know help national wounds heal when political tensions are are growing or to travel abroad and speak to world leaders and to jewish communities christian communities about the challenges facing israel not from a policy perspective that the prime minister would but from the broader national interest of the state okay now isaac herzog comes from like israeli nobility like his family if you go back a couple generations were founding fathers and mothers of the country. Like, you know, he, I think his grandfather was the first chief rabbi of the country. Uh, one of his relatives was the first president or the second president of the country. Like, And he himself was um, a major leader in the Knesset for many years. Highly respected and honestly, about the quietest, calmest, least hyperbolic political leader that I have ever met. He's almost boring in his weaker moments. Like, he's very interesting and he's very trusted, right? But I'm just saying... When he speaks, it's not dramatic, and it's often important, but he, he doesn't say it with – he's not hysterical. He's not emotional. It's like like flatline. When he said recently that the prospect of entering the abyss of civil war is not that far away, that caught my attention. It caught all Israelis, whichever your – whatever your political persuasion. Ooh. If Isaac Herzog is fearing mm. that we're going into civil war, yeah. you would better pay attention because he's not – kidding. And he has no political benefit or motive to stir up the pot. It's not part of his character and it's his job to, to dial temperatures down and bring unity. So I think that's important for believers to hear that we're not the Josh fund. We're not just, well, this is, this is bad. And I, I have some yeah. political perspective in this. Look, I do have political perspectives. Yeah. I just told you from a policy perspective, I think 61 seats, meaning a, a simple majority, like 50, 50 plus one, that's insane. You can't have a system where the Supreme Court can't say no. I'm sorry, the majority does not get to tell you whether you get to have free speech, freedom of religion. What not for a Muslim, not for a Jew, not for a Christian. You have to have a break. That's what a check and balance is in a mm-hmm. democracy. So I, I'll tell you flat out. Now I'm not, I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not going out there to tell people vote for this bill. Don't. Fill it. I'm just telling you, it's dangerous. It's crazy. And a a much higher number would make me happier. Okay, I'm just saying that. But it's important for most. And again, you know, you mentioned North America, but as we even have listeners and viewers all over the world, some in democratic countries and some not in democratic countries. Look, Israel is a robust democracy. The fact that we're having this debate is itself robust democracy. Sure. Sure. But one of Netanyahu's close allies said just last week he wants to put everybody in prison who's protesting again. That makes people nervous because when you say that, yeah, it, it means people start to believe you, right? They think yeah. if you had all the power, you could shut us up and put us in prison. Another top official, our finance minister from the Religious Zionism Party, Bezalel Smotrich, uh, he said recently, just last week, that a town where there was a Jewish attack by Jewish settlers against Palestinians in this town and that... Palestinians fought back and some Jews were killed and Palestinians were killed. Smotrich said that town should be wiped off the map, destroyed. Yeah. Now, maybe he meant what? I mean, what, he's not a talk show host. He's the finance minister. He's one of the senior cabinet members in a government that wants to take the country close to ending democracy. The combination of these things is what have people nervous. Now, the adult in the room remains Netanyahu. It's taken a lot of pressure but he has stepped up. Now, what happens in the next few weeks? I can't tell you. I really don't know. Yeah. But I'm praying for him. He stood up for the believers last week. You know, he pushed back against the religious Zionist party, Smotrich, Ben-Gavir, and the others, to say, no, no, we are going to take a pause. I'm, I'm listening to the people. And he literally said, Netanyahu said in his speech, I am not going to lead the country into civil war. He is mm-hmm. using this language also. So I want to make that clear to our audience that there's a gentleman named Benny Gantz. He's our former defense minister. Currently, he's in the opposition. But I wrote a column uh, for All Israel News. Keep your eye on him. His numbers are rising. He's a former defense minister. He's the former head of the IDF. He's warning about civil war. but, But he's the one that stepped forward and said, I am willing to sit down with Netanyahu and try to figure this out. So there are some mature voices saying they will do it. Will they? I I, I can't tell you as you and I record this. I don't know. But it's a fast-moving story, and we really need to pray because we should be focusing on our outside enemies, but we're in danger of creating enemies within. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to have to wrap here because this is a developing story, and, and who knows if we release this podcast in a few days, things may change again and uh there may be more right. data to imply here but the the reality is to remember too that uh, we need to pray for israel we need to keep praying for israel and remember to pray for defense cuz the enemies of israel are also looking at this they're also seeing this and is this a time for them to create more chaos you know you mentioned uh, in 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 a prior conversation about how this is already a, a highly charged month with with passover with Easter and Ramadan all taking place at right. the same time. It's just that kind of moment where all of these things are coming together. We like to say the epicenter, but you know, at times it really does just shock you how of an epicenter this really is uh, spiritually and religiously and politically.
0: I will really add one thing, and I know we've got to close, Carl, and I want to respect that amount of time, <laughs> but let's just say one more thing to all the people that are watching, listening. I still want you and Carl still want you to register to come to Israel in in, in November <laughs> yes. on our Joshua tour why you' you're, like, oh, you're, you're, you're out of your mind you seem like a nice young person but God <laughs> bless you what are you why would I go there because first of all I don't think this issue is going to continue by then sure secondly we'll keep you up to date along the way third we always have something there's always something that's a risk exactly but it just like it's important to stand with Israel, it's amazing and a blessing to Israel to come stand in Israel, to come step into the story and come and pray. You know, look, there's travel insurance that's built into the package price and you could get your own additional uh, insurance rider if you need to. So that, covered if, that. if there's yeah. a problem that we say is not safe to come or the airports are really close, then you'll get your money back. But I'm telling you, every time mm-hmm. we have a tour, people always think, Well, Joel, you keep writing in your books about worst case scenarios and you tell us on your blog or all initial news about threats and risks, uh, not because you're a fear monger, but because you're just telling us the truth. Yes, I'm telling you the truth and I will continue to tell you the truth. And if you really shouldn't come here, Carl and I will tell you the truth and we'll tell you we can't do this trip. We're going to have to postpone it. We'll tell you that. But I'm telling you, that's eight months away. And I'm telling you, I'm – as certain as you can be that you should sign up while we still have space because it's going to be an amazing trip and you'll be part of praying for this country. So I still want you to come. So does Lynn. Well, so does well yes, and me too. You know, you,
1: you live there, Lynn lives there, your son uh, Noah still lives with you there. Jonah and his wife Cassandra live there. Plenty of Rosenbergs are are right there in <laughs> Israel. And and I'm getting on a plane on Thursday to join you for a few days and uh, Exactly. You're you know, not afraid
0: to, to come over not here. Afraid. We, welcome we would let
1: you know. We would let you know. But here's the here's the thing and I think all of our listeners can certainly relate to this. Uh, that the work of the Joshua Fund, the place that we call the home of our ministry, the, the epicenter is always going to be a place where where things are happening. We, we wouldn't uh, really be answering God's call in our lives if we were working in a place where nothing was happening. This is where and why I know many of you as our listeners, you want to be here either physically or emotionally or spiritually in prayer. You want to be right where we are and where we're working at the epicenter. And that's why these, these podcasts and these stories from Near East Media and all the things that we're doing to try and help educate uh, you as, as our listeners are, are so important. And if you do want to learn more about the Joshua Fund, you can visit our website, as Joel said, you know, joshuafund.com. And you can learn about what we're doing in the Middle East, the, this epicenter, to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. You can also sign up, as Joel said, for our tour this fall uh, with the Joshua Fund. I know you will be blessed in doing that. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you've heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Inside the Episode.
0: Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. And I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways. There's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked. We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The prayer and vision tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there.